0: Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer.
1: And I'm Ron Swallow. I'm producer Bill, and today I am bringing the hot topic, and this came directly out of me seeing The Northman. And this is not going to be a review. My review is simply, if you haven't seen it, go see it. But what this is going to do, I had a very visceral response to that movie in that I felt like it did something almost no other movie that I've seen in my lifetime has done, which is it actually achieved what I would say is a mythic quality. It actually achieved the feeling of, oh my God, I'm watching gods and monsters and something vaguely spiritual while also being grotesquely human at the same time on the screen and seeing a director actually achieve a mythic tone, a mythic quality to me is something I've almost never seen in my lifetime. So I say this, the mythic tone creating an experience that actually feels mythic, that feels spiritual, that feels like gods and monsters coming to life, that feels like it's touching some grand human you know, sacred truth is by far the greatest challenge for any storyteller. I think Mm. it is almost impossible to do right. And the fact that I saw it done right in the Northman kind of blew my mind.
2: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's interesting because there are a lot of attempts at this that go very, very wrong.
0: Well, even but even even not even very very wrong. There's there's close but no cigars. Like fucking Troy for me, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Things like that. It's close but no cigar. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Good good. job, guys. But but it's not trash. It's not it's not a that weird Henry Cavill one, Immortal or something. You know, Jesus.
1: No, but I, I would agree with that, Ed. I think I think Troy is a is an underrated movie, and it's fun to watch. But nothing about it feels like. I'm having the experience of, you know, a storyteller 2000 years ago spinning the tale of the Odyssey right in front of me as the smoke swirls mysteriously into images as his voice carries on the night wind. You know what I mean? Just that mm-hmm. that primal primordial feeling of like this could almost be something I'm experiencing on mushrooms. This could almost be something that's like being tickled into my brain by some outside power it's such a weird and amorphous thing to describe but i just know that most things that try don't have it
0: one thing we're gonna do is uh we're gonna over the course of this time be gathering up things that are necessary to mm-hmm. have something be mythic because you know that you know me i think that's my new podcast personality yes. i'm i like to just collect it up so the one of the basic things is the sense of an unknowable something Yes, more so even than adventure or feats or 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 even necessarily magic, the sense of I don't know. I'm in new territory. I'm in this Eldritch state of being that's necessary for, for something mythic.
1: Going back to that example of the movie Troy, I think one of the biggest missteps in the movie Troy was when Brad Pitt encountered his mother who was an actual god. And it's just like, she's chilling in a lake. Everybody acknowledges she's a God. They just have a nice little mother-son conversation. And he goes about his adventure. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, that is not how gods interact with humanity. <laughs> so yeah, I, that that sense of the unknown, that sense of the, I can touch it and it's real, but I can't possibly explain it or even understand it.
2: That's so hard to freaking do. It's such a fine needle to thread. So like with the northmen for example it's uh it's sort of drawing from Norse Norse mythology. Um oh, yeah. and and at the same time though that it is drawing from Norse mythology it is draw it is it it also has to make people who are not into Norse mythology uh get on board with that mythology with a thing that they're not necessarily familiar with. Um and and why is that possible? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's because <laughs> every culture has myths. I would, I'd argue, American culture has myths. Yankee Doodle oh, Dandy. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Well, that's what we're going to get blue. into. That's what we're going to get into a little later. Is these things that are more tangible, but they're still myth- mythological. Spoiler alert: like yeah. something like John Wick is one of them. You know what I'm saying? Things that borrow from myth, they're not quite mythic because, you know, he's getting in a car, not a chariot and all that kind of stuff. But but again, it's not about aesthetics. It's about the unknowableness of where a Pegasus comes from or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not about the spectacle. Well,
1: I think what's interesting that Ron is getting at is it's, again, this weird balancing act between world building, creating this fully fleshed out kind of alien feeling world with its own rules and its own logic but then not coming across as some sort of a history lesson. Mm -hmm. And I think that what was fantastic about the Northman in particular was that movie was just steeped in the cultural specificity of the Vikings, right? Like, and and to the point where they made a big deal of it in the marketing materials too, just how intensive and extensive the the research was. Mm -hmm. And you can feel that on screen, but Mm -hmm. at no point in that movie, do they ever descend into explaining it to you? Like yeah. you get it. You understand what it is. They're playing some weird, you know, violent predecessor to lacrosse. Like I had never even mm-hmm. heard, you know, I never even seen that on the history channel. They never stop to explain rule one about that game, but the way that it's presented, I understand intrinsically how it functions in their society and what it means to the people in the world. And mm-hmm. again, like it's a ballsy way to tell a story. It's an unsafe way to tell a story. But I think it's necessary to really achieve this mythic quality. That there is this big, well-developed, mysterious, ultimately explicable world. But there's no way we have the time, space, or brain power to actually get into the minutia of it. You just have to accept this is what it is. And what I think is really interesting about that is, Ed, you were talking about how there's, you know, these these products or or stories that can feel mythic without necessarily being, you know, the story of Odysseus. And I think about something like the original Blade Runner, where Mm. it very much follows this rule of like, this is an alien world that's incredibly well developed, has such texture and like reality to it. And I would almost argue that Blade Runner maybe goes a little too far in explaining how it all works. There's a little bit too mm-hmm. much of an exposition dump. You can't just get lost in the
2: experience of it. Um, yeah yeah, so it's a fine line and, and and I think that part of the reason this happens is because we the reason they can do this now is almost like respecting your audience. People yeah. who are going to go see the Northmen are wanting to see something that's epic. And mythological. So they're going and expecting that. So you can tell the story. One of the things they did that I actually really liked is no um, uh, no words at the bottom when they're speaking uh, Norwegian. Mm. Um, and I think that was good. I think the reason behind that is we don't need to know what they're saying. We get the mood of what's happening right now. We mm-hmm. know that this is some kind of spiritual um, or religious ceremony that they're doing um and you just accept that and don't worry about what the norwegian words are in that moment it doesn't even matter
1: Mm. well and as the viewer it almost puts you in this position of a voyeur right like you're you're seeing something maybe you shouldn't be seeing like they're giving you a glimpse at something that's a little bit beyond your ability to comprehend and i think just that choice of like we're going to give you untranslated dialogue at certain points adds to that feeling, and I also think that that feeling is an important part of creating this mythical tone, that it's like, it's almost a little bit dangerous to be seeing this. Not everything quite makes sense. Not everything is really going at the speed that you need it to be going. Like, it's a little bit, you gotta, you gotta do some work, or you just have to accept that it's out of your control at some times, you know? Well, I
0: mean, that but that type of stuff leading to a sense of immersion as well, like you said, if you're a voyeur, that means you're there. Yeah, you dig. So like that that is like a, a cool or really cool part of how immersive it is. Uh, to just you're a stranger to strange land, but you're with the toughest motherfucker around. But you see, one of the things I liked about the Northmen was it was like really frank about how much violence was around, and it was yeah. like okay, if the choice is between. Getting fucked over or fucking people over, sign me up for fucking people over every day. And I think it's a strong it's a thing, you know, talk about cultural specificity. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, look, if we're in the waste of the wilds, it's time to get it on or it ain't. It's time to get it on or be somebody else's slave. And a choice, those those a choice those aren't a choice to me. And to a lot of viewers who like look at the screen and look at this movie. So it was like that part was very uh, moving to me uh, in a roundabout way. Uh, And what was interesting to me about like uh, the matter of fact violence in the story, like uh, chicks getting thrown out of five story windows onto the ground in front of you and stuff, all type of terrible shit's happening. And then you get a magic totem. You get an anointment from a weird God that gives you the special power to survive this. That, my friend, is mythic as fuck as we get to another one of the things that have to be in there. It ain't about fucking Joseph Campbell, okay? Mm -hmm. Everybody has the books, but stop it with that shit. African myths have that shit. Everybody has this shit. Just because you call something a threshold guardian doesn't mean you're fucking – I mean, he's a great guy. He did a lot of great work. But it's like these things are inside of us, and he collected them, and that was his gift. He didn't make them up. He collected the things that were there. And they've been there through all these cultures, including, you know, Greeks and Romans and Norse and stuff like that. So I'm saying there's one uh, no, one thing that m- myths of any culture need is a totemic object that helps you survive the fuckness of this world where we still believe in the god of this and the god of that. That A world that fucking primitive is rough. So you need the gods to give you a sword. You need the Pegasus to get your ass away from the Kraken. You need these special things because that world sucks.
1: Yeah. I think what's interesting about that too is the Northman as a movie was very interested again, in a way that was not in your face, but it was very interested in class. It was very interested Mm -hmm. in exploring the difference between the underclass and the ruling class. And I think what that does is it reflects the movie's greater occupation with this world of gods and monsters, because really when you think about gods and monsters, what you're talking about is power and class gods are people who wield outsized power that you can never quite hope to measure up to and monsters are essentially you know the, the these golem figures that are are not ever acceptable in society and so from a metaphorical standpoint gods and monsters are really about power and class and i think the way that you reinforce that is you make your a story your plot about power and class and this had that in spades, and you see that in a lot. You know, you see that in a lot of sword and sandal epics, Spartacus, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments, Gladiator, an A lot from Spartacus. Mm-hmm. You know that that's a big thing where it's like these the preoccupation with fate and the whims of the gods and being at the mercy of the gods. It it manifests most acutely in class and how that plays out for the peoples, particularly mm-hmm. in the low in the lower classes.
0: That's let me get my Joseph Campbell on. That's another thing we're gonna collect up, and that's it's it's got that that's part of it too. That that is definitely a necessary ingredient is that 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 class struggle that that representation of that thing with the, the whims and 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 more like you said in the middle fate. It's a big deal. Yeah, just fate. Fate has to be in there. However, it's articulated. A lot of times it is class. A lot of times it is like. Are, did you get born next to the fucking minotaur? <laughs> well you gotta have, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Fate says you gotta fuck with this minotaur no matter how much money you got or what you don't. sometimes princes have to fight these monsters. but fate will fuck a prince over just like it'll fuck a pauper over.
2: And if you look at the the people who were just like farmers who like then got like killed by a bunch of warriors who decided that, it, that they, they were there to get slaves. Like, it's crazy to think that that's just like, okay, well, you were born to a dad who is a fucking farmer. So no one trained you how to use weapons. And guess what? That means at some point, some maniacs may come in, burn your place down, uh, kill your mom in front of you, and then, you know, make you work until you die.
0: Dude, why do you think the Second Amendment is in these people's bloodstream in America right now? That's mainline myth fuel. I'll have a sacred totem in a locked box with some ammo in it and i'll pop it out and i'll save the day and i'll kill the kraken you know what i'm saying the crack the crackhead kraken hey and I- am i seeing the- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's, like, it's, it's part of america it's part of a, it's it's in america's uh veins this mythic shit I think
1: where a lot of people falter when they're trying to tell mythic stories is they get too wrapped up in focusing on kings and princes and rulers and essentially the upper class. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a real mythic story because myths are meant to be told for the average person. And there's only so many stories about kings and princes and chosen ones that the average person can really stomach. And the other thing about kings, princes, and, and chosen ones is that, they tend to understand their place and their fate and their relationship Mm. to the gods Mm -hmm. in a way that takes some of that mysterious power away from the narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, again, the Brad Pitt and Troy example is is one that comes to mind where it's like, well, if your hero is just a dude who can pop down to the lagoon and have a quick chat with a God, you know, without any sort of effort or mystery or anything, you're really cutting your tone off at the knees. That's, that's just not what you're trying to do with a mythical tone that, then you start to, uh, that turns into a drama that turns into any number of other genres, but it's not
2: myth. Well, that brings me to why I, uh, one of my favorites is Robin hood, which Which version. Well, that's the thing is uh, the funny part is it's more as a concept Mm -hmm. than as, Mm. because like, Look, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, with uh, uh was uh, Kevin Costner right? Was it Kevin Costner? Sure, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and um, the great
1: Alan Rickman is the uh, show. Yeah, oh um, yes,
2: yes. Cut out
1: your heart with a spoon.
2: <laughs> Why a spoon? It'll hurt more. It's dull, <laughs> you idiot. Uh, that movie. I think if I went back and watched it. I don't know if it's good. Spoiler alert: it's not. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. I love Men in Tights. Uh, uh, <laughs> as far as Robin Hood movies go, I fucking love Men in Tights. It's hilarious. But that's also because they got the um, uh, the permission to just do comedy while also telling a small version of the Robin Hood mythos. But that's why I think people like Robin Hood so much, though, and will give it a chance a lot of times because it's a It's a regular guy taken from the rich and helping out the poor. We love that shit. We love it. If you're a murderer but you give money, that was one of the biggest things in the world with all these um, uh, Billy the Kid uh, 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 robbers from the the 50s and stuff like that. Yeah, my PSO guys guys
0: in the Turkey Drive and shit.
2: Yeah, yeah. They would go and they would give out stuff to people. And they became mythological figures, but you know what they were murderers and psychopaths who just wanted to steal money, but they also so gave the, it out to I was going to say, by the way,
1: w- w- the main character of the Northman is an yeah. unrepentant murderer and you yeah, see him do psycho. some horrible shit on screen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well also, but you know what's interesting to me about about that and in all of these myths is again, they really juxtapose they 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 make a world where it's kill or be killed, and For that's sure. the kind of and that's the kind of myth building in and of itself because that's what has people be so okay with the the pervasive nature of violence to this day is that they have a myth in their head about some you know the gorgon they're killing or whatever but, but it's the, it's in it's in there
2: but at the same time aren't they telling the story of violence begets violence, and that means everyone dies?
0: I mean, mean, that's what the Northman is basically saying. With no spoilers, that's what the Northman is basically saying. And that, to me if I were trying to be a dickhead about mythic or not mythic is the only thing that breaks me out of the mythic stuff. Cause all of the other mythic stuff could have been drugs. The Vikings were did a lot of drugs. So yeah. all of the things that are like magic in there could technically have just been drugs,
1: which I yes. love, which by the way is, yeah. I think is a, is a strength,
0: but go oh, it's a no, It's definitely a strength, but I'm just saying when it really gets down to the nitty gritty of like that story broke out of myth for me in that, in a myth, the good guy wins, or it's some or it's some tragedy that he loses. In this, a shitty motherfucker from a shitty lineage who thought it was a great lineage went to go revenge somebody, you know, and and shit goes awry, and not the regular way a revenge story goes. That's that's fucking really human, human, and not mythic to me. You know what but I'm
1: here's, saying? Here's where I'll argue with you. I think. And again, I, we're getting into some of the nuances between like a mythic tone and 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 having that mythic experience mm. versus like the definition of a myth in writing. Mm. But where I where I think that works in the Northman's favor is two things. Number one, it ends up being about something that's very primal to humanity. Mm. That whole idea of like violence just begets violence and vengeance only begets more violence. Like that's one of those deeply human lessons that applies to all people across all cultures for all time. Which oh, okay. I think is, I will, I'll
0: agree with that. I'll you agree know what that. I mean?
1: I like, so the, I think that's a prerequisite for myth as well. Number two, the story in the Northman is very simple as far as the plot. And in fact, it's essentially just Hamlet to the yeah. point that the main character's name is Amleth. They just took the H from Hamlet <laughs> and put on the end of the name. <laughs> But yeah. where I think that's important to note is that when you're telling a mythic story, the plot mechanics have to be simple enough and primal enough that you are able to indulge in tone. Because mm. if, that, if that story had all kinds of twists and turns and multiple characters, and they all go to different locations, and then they finally meet up for one last great battle, I think already you can't really achieve the feeling of a myth. Because there's just too much business. There's too much you got to keep track of. You got to use too much of your left brain.
0: Oh. Like, I think
1: I think myth pretty much it resides almost completely in the right brain. It's it's again that feeling of a drug experience of like I don't need to be consciously aware of the mechanics of the thing. I'm just letting it wash over me and
2: take me to this other place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it may be another reason that play, things like Robin Hood don't feel mythic. Or, 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 I think there's in, in an interesting, it's, con- it's impossible.
1: I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about Robin Hood though, Ron, I would argue Robin Hood does fit a lot of what I just talked about. Number one, very human lesson, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor is going to resonate with everybody across all cultures for all time. Also, very simple story, right? Like there's not a lot of complication there. He was a nobleman. He had it all taken away from him. And so he makes it his mission to steal from other noblemen and give to the common man. All great. What Robin Hood lacks in every adaptation I've ever seen is gods and monsters. Is that And and the way that the Northman does it, I think, is great. Ed mentioned it. It could all be hallucinations. It's very vague on that. But they give you just beautiful compelling hallucinations boy I never I've never seen a Robin Hood story that leans into the fae and the grim and like all of these great rich sort of celtic english legends gods and fairies and monsters and demons and again not that you know you're going to tell a Robin Hood story where he's having a conversation with the lady of the lake or anything That, I think, breaks the rule. But how do you infuse some of those gods and monsters encounters, some of that inexplicable mystery, some of that feeling of I am cursed to this fate. I am chained to this one path. No matter how hard I buck against it, I know that I will die on this path. How do you how do you fuse that to a Robin Hood story? I think it would make a Robin Hood story way more compelling, actually.
0: Well, have you guys, as far as Robin Hood goes, have you guys ever seen one that made the bow really sacred? And I know that sounds really stupid, maybe, because it's like maybe maybe that's one of the cool things about Robin Hood is he could use anything from anywhere. And if I was writing it, I would put some scenes in there where he does that, obviously. But go back to the original point, like the bow being a sacred object, the bow being something he has to quest to go get even because it's like a super sick, like probably chinese they they think it's magic because people in china made it <laughs> and fuck it and it's dope as fuck it's like a zen archer bow it's iller than any english bow and he's just like shooting motherfuckers from 500 yards like right through the neck smooth as silk like it's almost like he can't miss and and he's got the he's got special tool and he's a special man for a special time and then i'd have him die at the end he'd do something super fresh and die
2: uh, i mean I, problem- I, would, I would go with that too my my problem with that is that it takes away what's interesting about Robin, which is uh, his skills. Uh, Robin Hood's ability. Still, I'd,
0: I'd still put yeah, those I scenes in him. there, but he has a special thing. I'm
1: going to say, like, think about the Northmen, right? And, but, like, clearly, Amleth went out and did some Batman-style training to get to the point yeah. where he was mm-hmm. one of the most badass killers in all of Europe at the time. But then he also went down into the cursed cave and encountered that night God or, or did he so Mm -hmm. that he could, he could have the special blade that can only be unsheathed at night. And you know, and and, and that,
2: that cursed object thing. Oh.
0: Oh,
2: and we get the idea that that thing might be evil. That's some, you got a vampire sword. What the fuck is happening?
0: This might be a good time to have the conversation of, okay, what is the cutoff? Because Robin has mythic shit. I just I said earlier that John Wick has mythic shit. The, the the fucking guy with no name. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there? You know what I mean? Are are there? Because I'll I'll argue one real quick, just as a nice grenade in the conversation. I'm going to argue that the world of Top Gun is a myth.
2: Oh, it's an utter
0: recency
1: bias. I call it. Go on.
0: The, no, but dude, because I I recently looked at both of them. It's very focused, just like the Northman and shit. Just as you were talking, I was putting it together, because dude, there ain't nothing to concentrate on. It's a simple story with simple like um, tropes, and and he is a special man for a special time, and he has and he has an ability with special jets and shit, and it's a, just a simple world where he is, and he is a mythic figure in the in the world of uh, flying planes. They tell sure. epic tales of him. And it's just like I'm just saying, like it it, it's got as much myth shit as John Wick does. Now that I've seen both of those two movies, I'm going to argue.
2: Legend, is there a difference between myth and legend? But that's
0: that's what I'm fucking saying. Though I think there
1: is. Well, I, I look, I'm I'm trying to be as specific as possible here. I think Top Gun lacks two things. Number one, it doesn't present a world that is fundamentally broken. You know what I mean? Like like the whole beginning of the world of, of the Northmen is that his own uncle conspires to kill his father and there's nothing he can fucking do about it. You know mm. what I mean? That he's a victim of a disgusting world. He's a victim of fate. And mm. I don't know if Top Gun really presents that. And then number two... I am all for gods and monsters having a very loose definition. I think that's sort of the spice in the the mythological sauce. That said, maybe, maybe the generals, the admirals, are the gods. But who are the monsters in Top Gun?
0: Is it the Russians? Uh, it's well, little, okay, okay, just just to just to argue back, just in a playful way, because you guys are absolutely right, but. They never fight any specific country. There's always this amorphous mission. We're fighting. They, they never say they're fighting Russia, China, anything, and even in this new one, they don't. They fight some phantom enemy with super jets that they could launch, and and a, a mountain base. So it's kind of like you know Russia, but then it's got terrain like China, but then it's you know what I mean. So if they're fighting in some amorphous G I Joe Pangaea continent over some amorphous things and that you never see any insignias on the jets and the jets that they're fighting are like these super crazy fifth generation jets where if they try to take them on, they'll die. I'm telling you, man, they have, they have pushed it. And that's why everybody's going crazy. It's the biggest opening weekend of Tom Cruise's career for a reason. Yeah. Right.
1: I'll just say this all good points. I think, I think, A truly mythic story, in the way that at least I'm internalizing it, demands a certain nebulousness about what's real and what's not.
0: There you go. That's why. That's, That's that's why.
1: Yeah, I think that's what that's that might be the only thing Top Gun is really lacking completely. It's
2: uh Excalibur is almost is is in the genre, but not quite there because it's saying that this is a real
0: world that exists well, completely. Let's not- have that. Well, let's have that conversation though. Yeah, let's
1: do it. I was going to say, I think Lord of the Rings, as good as those Peter Jackson movies were and as epic a tone as he created, I don't think he created a mythic tone because it's all very matter of fact. It's like, mm. yep, these trees talk. Yep. This wizard, you know, curses us. Yep. These orcs are going to come and eat our babies. It's like, there's no, There's no sense of the unknowable. Even Sauron, who's a very eldritch character, right? Mm -hmm. You don't question what he is or where he is or what he can do or is he or is he not influencing the world as the viewer. The characters might do that. But as the viewer, I feel like you're always situated in that non-voyeuristic place. You kind of get what's going on at all times.
2: And to me, I think that firmly disqualifies it. Ooh, so here's okay. With that in mind, then, is Wizard of Oz, Mythic. Oh, Ron,
1: nice, hot, nice. I would say, I would say yes. And you know what's interesting? One of the other things I was thinking about is I do think part of the Mythic tone is you sort of have to marry horror with romanticism and when I say Mm. romanticism I don't mean that it's like a romantic story I mean more in the the definition of like 17th century art romanticism where it's sort of this fascination with the grandeur and the beauty of nature it's sort of like this embrace of colors and and vegetation and sort of this this rococo vision of the world I think Wizard of Oz does that I mean mm-hmm. clearly yeah. it 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 leans way more towards the romantic than it does the horror but there is legitimate horror in Wizard of Oz. Ron that is a that is a hot
2: hot suggestion. I like that a lot. Yeah, it might be yeah. the only one that I can think of in a while that has that is this real feel to it that is telling a story like that. Like honestly,
0: come you've come upon a land where there are different rules and you're not aware of them so you're you're in a different world so it isn't your world by definition so you can't know anything by definition which just yeah. that's the math problem that it just does instantly by colorizing the world that's some yeah. ill shit
1: no it's that's fantastic well i was going to say to your point ron you know the one that comes to mind immediately for me is 2001 a space odyssey and Ooh, so yeah. that that replaces gods and monsters um, with the aliens. It's essentially, instead of gods and monsters, it's aliens and AI, right? So it's the total sci-fi take on it. But everything about that movie fits everything that we've been talking about in this discussion.
0: Dude, okay. You know you know what I think? And as we're trying to like find what the cutoff is for Mythic, because again, once you start being like, I would argue that for a lot of years, alien... Was a myth, and then I'm they deconstructed that?
1: it. I'm with that completely.
0: You know what I mean? Like I just, I feel it like when it used mm, it used to have this beautiful uh, Wolverine circa 1987 mystery about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just fucking just ruined it. You know what I mean?
2: Oh this uh, no! Is so I think it's dead on. That you brought up Wolverine, really? This like when you add mystery into Wolverine it makes him, like, a bazillion times more interesting. So. Oh, think, I mean, think about that 1980s
1: version of Wolverine, too. Talk about a blend of romanticism and horror. I mean, mm-hmm. he he embodies the juxtaposition of, like, The peaceful warrior what right like all he wants to do is sit and meditate in the japanese countryside and watch the cherry blossoms fall but he has to go and eviscerate people with his fucking bare hands and revel in the (laughs) bloodshed i mean all that is mythic and Yeah. yeah the man with no name quality of like you don't know who he is or where he comes from you don't know which which of his memories are real and which are fake or implanted I mean, all that is myth. There's a reason that they that people call, you know, superheroes modern day myths. They fit mm-hmm. all
0: this shit. Well, yeah, and and uh I was gonna say in regards to wrapping up the Wolverine part of it, I was just reading this Wolverine comic. It was like a Mark Silvestri Larry Hama joint. And basically Wolverine, these two um These two guys find Wolverine in the woods, naked spearing fish with his claws and grabbing them instead. But, you know, and uh, they don't see him use his claws. They just see him as this mountain man who's naked in the stream. And they go, hey, man, you better get out of here. There's a badass dude in these woods and he's going to fuck some shit up. (laughs) Wolverine's like, "Okay, (laughs) okay, buddies. And so he he participates in um, trying to capture this guy. And throughout the story, there's two things out there. There's like a lycanthrope, a, a a, a werewolf thing out there. That's a legend in these parts and there was this badass dude with a rifle. And throughout the course of the story, Wolverine basically beats both their asses. But the point is, this sheriff guy that's next to him has experienced Wolverine 3 or 4 times throughout his life. He experienced Wolverine as a ca- as a corporal when he fought for the Canadian military. He experienced Wolverine as a thing he shot when he was a young man uh <laughs> hunting in the woods and shit or, or rather he yeah, he shot it cuz he thought it was a monster. And then and then this last time where he sees him as a drifter, he's encountered Wolverine three times in his life. And when he dies at the end of the story, spoiler alert, he goes, oh, Logan, like that. And then Wolverine turns to look at the guy and goes, how did he know my name? Because he doesn't fucking remember because his mind was fucked up.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm well, saying? That, I Perfect. kind of chills right now. Right. Yeah. yeah
0: Perfect Wolverine story. Perfect.
1: See, it's interesting because like I until we got deep into this conversation, I didn't realize that like this is what I'm after in my entertainment. Like this, Mm. this whole conversation about, you know, mythic storytelling and that that experience, that tone, that feeling of myth. That's what I'm after. And I think for me in particular, it's all the more important because like I really don't have spiritual beliefs like I, I, I sort of reject all that stuff in my own life, but I do think that there's an all human beings have sort of an intrinsic need for this, and I think for me, I recognize like it's super powerful, and mm. there's a reason that like 2001 is one of my favorite movies of all time, and there's a reason I responded so strongly to the Northman, and there's a reason that I respond to like the very primal versions of these superhero tales. It's like. There, there's something about this that I think is unfortunately lost in the modern culture, and it's like, it's like every time you get a little peek at it, it's like you're connecting to something cosmic. You're connecting to something bigger than the here and now, than th- than this place in history, this point, you know, this place in the universe. It's like you that ability to sort of scrape the face of something bigger is so vital to the human experience like it's why people do drugs it's why people tell stories and it's like i just have such respect for when a storyteller when an artist can evoke that it's it's it it leaves my jaw
2: hanging open yeah yeah um it makes me think about i don't know why i wonder why some because like labyrinth the the Mm -hmm. movie labyrinth i think that matches a lot of the criteria of 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 myth but also it being so silly they're
1: trying to have too much fun which yeah. is a weird <laughs> thing to say ah
2: dude for real That's though exactly what i was thinking
0: too much cutesy shit fucks it up because i think going back to rule 1a or whatever we was talking about earlier that i was saying the world is so fucked you need this magic the world mm-hmm. is so fucked and unknowable. You need this help. You need this Uber story. You need this Uber purpose. You need this. I have. I'm fated to win. That everything's so fucked up against me. I am, but I am fated to win, or or lose. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to do tragedy. But you know what I'm saying? There, that is necessary. And I think when motherfuckers having too much fun, it ruins it. I think that's perfectly stated, bro.
1: But the wisdom of of still works. Well, but I was going to say, I think a corollary to that might be too much magic. Which is something that's going to ring really true for me and Ed, right? Like when your (laughs) magic is so on the face of everything, I think it takes away from the mythical quality because then it's like, oh, this is just the way of life. You know what Mm. I mean? And I think the Wizard of Oz walks an interesting line there because while there are magic users in that world and it's a magical land... The magic users themselves are presented as gods and monsters. Like mm-hmm. what is Glinda versus the evil witch of the west, the wicked witch of the west? Like that is yeah. a god and a monster. Mm-hmm. All the other people that Dorothy encounters mm-hmm. are just people. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and it's weird and, as I and, think and about in
2: that. Bad circumstances,
1: like they're not that's doing the well. Thing. No, mm-hmm. that's the thing. I think I think that's really vital to the sort of stories that we're talking about. Is like you need to spend time in the muck. Like, you need to spend time with average people who don't cast spells, who don't rule kingdoms, and you need to see that their lives kind of suck. Like, yeah, that's I mean, an important part of this.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important that this godly shit happens or rather that this, that this, that they got this shot, right? I found this sword and I was in the caves. I was, I was exploring farther than the other boys and I found the, the, the cave with the, with the, you know, Uh, that's why, damn it. Conan is mythology. The first Conan the Barbarian. do it. Yes. The first Conan the Barbarian fits every, and I'm talking about every, one of these things to a fucking T. Don't nobody really know shit. Demons could exist or you could be on peyote uh <laughs> Thulsa Doom's magic is is very like it's like he's the David Blaine of Hyboria. you know what I'm saying most of his yeah. tricks are really low key and then the one big one did that really happen? Did you really see James o. Jones turn into a snake because he don't do no snaky shit the whole rest of the time as his own body he shoots a snake at people he has to become a snake and grab Conan up and wrap him up. Why? because the shit didn't happen. You were seeing the vision of all of his, his followers on paella, whatever the fuck, eating in 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 uh soup with people's hands in it and shit and a bunch of psilocybin or whatever, and you were seeing him turn into a snake because that's what he's supposed to do in your fucking mind because he's got you and it's a cult thing. And he has this power because everybody don't know shit. You know why? Because this world is so fucking rough and full of slavers and shit. And when Conan is being chased by fucking dogs, he goes into the very nest heart of the world. He goes to a cave and he finds a giant old man with a sword that looks like it was just a tomb with an old man with the sword in it. But to him... It is Crom To him, it is the thing. This piece of steel is the thing between me and those dogs. And he slacks the fucking rust off of that fucking sword, and he gets out. He crawls back out of the cave, and the next thing you see is this. He chops his fucking slave shackles off of his feet, and the next time you see this motherfucker, he got dog skins galore. His whole outfit is dog skin, and he's walking into the city a new person. That's mythic storytelling can't argue with that at all
1: just just, that's all that just makes me want to go watch that movie now i know but honestly like i think conan in sort of all iterations certainly the movie but even the novellas the comics whatever like that is a great encapsulation of everything we're talking about and it shouldn't be lost on you that like if you see the northman that's got shades of conan all over
0: all over
2: all over absolutely well and here's an interesting thing Says we're talking about Arnie, does the Terminator almost count? I, I'd argue not quite. It's very close.
0: 1997 but, fucks it up. Sometime uh, in history, da da, da da 1997 fucks it up.
2: Interesting. Well, That's not just point. that, but also, also um, imagine if they did the Terminator and never explained why there was a robot there. I know that sounds weird. But now instead mm-hmm. of a movie where you're uh, trying to save the world, it's you trying to survive against a killer as you shoot him with a gun and you now know you're fighting a robot that seems to be invincible that was naked. The mystery added in there would make it the scariest shit ever.
0: A, you're super fucking right. And B, we to be fair, we attempted that in our Terminator uh, – thing oh, yeah, that we re- reboot yeah. that we did on rebooted we That's literally true. attempted that we attempted that myth like everybody doesn't have all the fucking information and that adds to a mythic thing and adds to an uber story
1: i would also say ron like the story that you're talking about imagine if that was set in today's world like 2022 and so within the context of like i'm just being stalked by this unstoppable killer who turns out to be a robot like imagine if her phone stops working or her computer stops working or her, you know, electric car makes the wrong turn or dies at the wrong time. And again, you never explain it in the context of the movie, Mm. but perhaps Mm. there is an AI, like a a more global AI that's like manipulating events to turn her one way or the other. And to me, that's an interesting way to fill that role of the gods and monsters, right? If the Terminator is the monster than sort of this unknown AI force that's just outrunning the world, even though we never end up in any server banks, we never talk to any scientist who gives us the lowdown on how it works, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it just creates that milieu of mystery and sort of like, is this fate? Is this not? Is this really happening? Is it just bad luck? You know,
0: again, you know, it's moving you know what, the mythic, dude. And what's really fucking sad is you couldn't call it ghosts in the machine. <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking brutal that you could not do that because it's no. what it is and and you're so you guys are so right with like like techno mystery i think that might be that new shit dude like i yeah. think there there are stories that are flirting with it as well upgrade quiet as is kept is flirting with a very the brand new weird mythology the one they they kind of explain too much what the computers are doing but the fact that this computer Manipulates this whole situation to make an action movie happen and manipulates this guy's life. It's a modern fear. Hinting, going back to what Bill was saying about myths are made of like almost equal parts awe and fear. Mm. That seems to be like the, if he was making the Rice Krispie treats of making a myth, you know, awe and fear are like Rice Krispies and marshmallow shit. You just need some better.
2: the best version of the Matrix is 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 telling that all of this story,
0: dude. Like, the first Matrix, I think, man, it's close. It's it really fucking close. It yeah, it, too it much. is.
1: It is very close. And I was actually just thinking about this as you were talking. Ed is, if you think about Hal in two thousand and one, oh yeah, I think what makes Hal great is that you have no idea what his end goal really is. Mm. And they never take the time to explain it. You can infer a lot of things, but all all you know is that he's gonna get to the orbit of Jupiter and he's not gonna let any fucking humans stop him. And it leaves mm. totally open-ended the question of like of yeah, but but then what? Like why? What's he mm. gonna do with the monolith? Where's that gonna like where could that lead? You know, mm. did Dave Bowman save the universe when he un- when he unhooked Hal or did he damn humanity? We don't really know, you know.
0: Well, see, the and, thing yeah. that weirds this conversation out is every good movie borrows mythic elements because I'm just thinking about Jaws right now. Jaws is more mythic than labyrinth. Run yes. it back if you need to hear it again. Yeah, that straight up is there's an implacable, uh, as you said, uh, Ron, an implacable force, an unknowable uh, situation and you and your homies are out in basically outer space that's what the ocean is and you're encountering something on on its turf much like you know vikings going into a uh, grendel's cave to fight him on his own ground or, or or i guess theseus going in to fight the fucking minotaur fighting somebody harder hard more hardcore than you on their own territory that's mythic shit that's yeah. an, a key ingredient in mythic shit and that's exactly what those motherfuckers do in jaws and what's funny is they have that archetype that's in all myth stuff. The, the, uh, the whatever the wizard, you know, homeboy, uh, Robert Shaw is the wizard who has sure. the special knowledge that's going to help this whole endeavor. But his hubris is what get they ass fucked up because yeah. he, in all his experience, has never experienced a shark like this. And that's why this shark is mythic it doesn't conform to all the rules. It takes down too many barrels and it, it comes back after it's done, got shot up and, and beat up a little bit. It comes back to fuck your boat up at night while you're singing. Cause it knows you're partying this fucking thing knows you're partying. And much like the Grindel in the old Beowulf story comes to where your party is and fuck that party up. Fuck your party. You but to had no party on my watch, buddy. That's no, cool too. It's
1: super cool. And I, it's like, I wish that Spielberg was more okay with ambiguity Because I feel Mm -hmm. like Spielberg, the one thing he won't do is sort of lean into, wait a minute, like, is this shark hunting us in particular? Like, is this shark somehow, like, more than just an average shark? Like, in a Spielberg movie, the answer is, yeah, because he's really tough and really aggressive. But there isn't that sort of ambiguous quality of, like, what is going... Is there something supernatural going on here? Like, it's not like I'm seeing not seeing sparkles on the water but like that moon is maybe a little bit too bright and like it feels like we're drifting in the wrong direction you know what i mean like
0: mm-hmm. that
1: sort of again just that that eeriness that eerie horror element i just i think it's it, clear
0: it's like a cinematography problem almost cuz i i yeah. will tell you most of the events that happen in jaws if they were filmed a little little foggy little creepy yeah. you'd be saying the shit so admit mythic it. but it's just crisp as fuck baby
1: cinema yeah, vision that's true yanu you gotta I, I don't know if yanu shot that one but but yeah i mean i do think a lot of what we're talking about too and, and certainly what i respond to when i talk about this sort of stuff is the visuals i mean i think mm-hmm. that's worth mentioning is like that mm-hmm. combination of of cinematography production design even sound design even just like the way the the score works, the way that, you know, is the sound heightened? Is it unnatural? Is it, you know, are you introducing weird hums or tones or things that just on a visceral level sort of make you go like, wait a minute, like what is happening here? And again, there are just all these little choices that you make as a creative person that adds up to something greater than the sum of its parts, which is this tone.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not quite horror. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's not quite like super scary, but it is so it's walking this really fine line of that where where it's still mythic and it still feels like you're saying like gods and, and, and all of that stuff. And but and there's still some, I don't know, fear, but it's more like fear of the unknown, fear of the powerful and your your inability to escape fate.
1: Yes, I was going to say, I think it's more like fear of mere existence right? Like, like a more straight horror movie, you have fear of the killer or the monster or the danger that lurks around the corner. I think in a mythic story, you just have a generalized fear that death is just behind you unknown, even in broad daylight. You know what I mean? Like, there's just this sense that you cannot hope to win, that the odds are always going to be stacked against you. It's that it is more Lovecraftian. and it's more of that cosmic horror feel. It's not Jason Voorhees in the in the uh, it's not Jason Voorhees in the woods. It's you know, Cthulhu sleeping under the ocean could rise at any moment and crack the earth in half, and you have no power to stop it. Sort of a thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Northman honestly just sets sets this weird tone of, um, and I think I think Conan does it as good as it can for a movie of its day. Mm -hmm. in that this is a violent fucked up place and there's all type of terrible shit that could happen anytime i think another thing that conan exceeds in um and that northman did really good but um this sort of sense of we talked about fate earlier this inevitability this legend as you said earlier ron a legend is a big part of myth because people have to tell your myth you have to out survive yourself that whole Mm -hmm. thing and like you start Conan with him older than you know he's gonna be in the movie, sitting on a throne, and a guy's telling you about that this took place way back before some crazy shit, and this motherfucker is so ill, and let me tell you about the days that formed this dude's being so awesome, and it's like that's crazy it's like it just assumes he's gonna be awesome, you know, and it just tells you the story of how he became awesome. There's something to that. I I think that's uh, another reason why Top Gun goes in there. And I'm just joking. But uh, (laughs) I I, I will say, I will say, uh, Tony Scott, that world, he knows how to shoot a place that ain't quite real. The world in Top Gun and True Romance, frankly, (laughs) are are not real shit. Man on Fire, even. He knows how to shoot a place that is not necessarily reality. And that was his everlasting gift. I fucking love Tony Scott. I just had to give him uh, some shots out right there.
1: That feeling of legend, that feeling that like, there's a story even within the world of the story that's being passed throughout the people. I think that definitely applies in the way you described it to Conan. I think that applies to 2001. It's like throughout the whole first half of that movie, everybody, including the cave people, are talking about that monolith. You know, it's like, what is this thing? They found this thing on the moon. We're going to go into this secret secret briefing room to talk about this thing, and we don't know what it is, but it's there. I think that applies to the Northmen, where it's like, Ah, yeah, you know, he has a conversation with somebody, and it's like, ah, yeah, the man who murdered his own brother and took the kingdom, but only to lose it to the invaders or whatever. Just that idea that your story exists outside of you, even within the world of the story that we're telling. I think that is an important part. I think in Wizard of Oz, you know, Dorothy becomes legendary in the Kingdom of Oz. Everybody's heard Mm -hmm. of her whenever Mm -hmm. she comes to these new lands. Mm -hmm. I think that is an important part of this.
0: But uh, now, but you know, some of these people that you think of as as mythic figures and they are legends. The thing that makes them not a myth is maybe they're too close to our time and they're driving a Mustang. You know what I mean, or whatever. It just takes you out of this, out of this. Uh, I, it's it's un, not unknowable. That unknowable John, thing really puts a kibosh on certain things being mythical.
2: Yeah, John Wick. I think, I think the the one scene where he's like the Bobby Yaga, he had a pencil. That's, that's a legend, at least, if, if nothing else. Now, uh, the only thing that John Wick seems to really lack is, like, some kind of spiritual uh, is-this-happening thing to it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'll i still – see, and then here's my problem. Like, can we include any, um like, fantasy stuff, like, you know, like Exc- Excalibur Um Camelot Uh,
0: we haven't talked at all about Star Wars for this entire time and I I think one of the main things that makes it I will say myth because honestly bro that fucking... All their technology's fucking stupid. It does not work. There's no way it could work. They don't care to tell you about the gravity... Stabi- you ain't never heard these motherfuckers outside of maybe a, a dorkier one of the books talk about the gravity stabilizers or the or the such-and-such such field. They don't give a fuck about none of that. Me get in, car go fast. My laser sword stops right there for no reason. Magic. I wave my hand, guys believe shit. Ugh. It's, a, it's mythic. And it's lived in and fucked up and the world is full of slavers. Slavery is a big part of these myths, guys. The fact that if you don't get the gods on your side, you might end up, uh, you know, doing all type of horrible shit. Full stop. Hey, and being subject to other people's fucked up whims. It's a big part of all myths from all cultures. So I'm just saying, man, for my money, that's a myth. It's a stone cold myth.
1: I think I think I would agree with you. And I think that that would be an even stronger argument like in 1978. You know, oh, yeah. When, you know, when it was just that original movie and there was mm-hmm. so much unexplained and like. The
0: aliens did. They fucking ruined it. Like they ruined the fucking xenomorph. They ruined it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Ron, to your point about fantasy, to me, that's where I think a lot of fantasy loses it. Even something like Game of Thrones, I would argue that early on, Game of Thrones very much fits what we're talking mm-hmm. about because the whole idea of like, you know, the night, the the night and what's on the other side of the wall. And like, do dragons exist or do they not exist? That whole feeling of like, wait, is this like medieval Europe or is this a totally fantastical place? And you didn't really know. Yeah. I think that very much fit the paradigm. I think the minute that you actually have people riding real dragons as they lay waste to real towns. And it's like, you're kind of, and the zombies show up, and it's like none of this really seems to be about the whims of gods and, and and inexplicable, implacable
0: forces. It goes to what you were saying earlier in regards to there's too much business. Yeah. Anything that's that long has too much business. There's another thing. A movie that's epic and awesome and beautiful can be three hours long or two hours and 30 minutes long of this shit and really sit you in there or whatever. But that's got to be it. These myths are finite stories is what I'm saying. Uh, you, there ain't no mythic series. Of nothing, I don't think. I think it's I it's almost a disqualifier. Except for uh, Supernatural, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what, is this rebooted? You,
2: you don't get to make those comments. <laughs> Actually, um, the funny thing about Supernatural is it, at one point uh, you realize that there is a, a prophet of God, right? And he is writing the book of Sam and Dean Winchester. And all of the stories that Sam and Dean have done have been written down in uh, novels that he thinks are, that the author thinks are just really shittily written. But a a group of people keep buying them and are like super fans of his. Anyway. I'm done listening to Supernatural stories. (laughs) To go
1: back to what Ed was saying. There aren't (laughs) shitty stories. You're wrong. Go on. But on the topic of like other contenders in these mythic movies, um, I would say Lawrence of Arabia. Is, wow. a, is a contender for me. And I would, you know, you might argue, well, shit, it's based on a true story. How can it be mythic? Um, and, the, you know, I don't remember there being any supernatural or gods and monsters. Couple couple arguments against that. Number one, I don't think being a true story necessarily um, disqualifies something from being mythic. It's Malcolm the, X uh,
0: is in uh, my presentation. That's in my brief for this section.
1: I was going to say, it's all in the presentation. And I think in in Lawrence of Arabia, number one, I mean, it is very much about a broken world, you know, where you are at the at the whims of fate. And I would argue that that Lawrence's entire story is he's between these superpowers, the implacable forces of the United States and Great Britain and like these superpowers that are trying to meddle in the ways of this alien culture, um, which in and of itself is sort of unknowable and has weird rules that he's not accustomed to and he needs to sort of discover his place within it. And then he goes about doing horrible, horrible things and sort of losing himself within that violence. And it's like, I just think everything about it checks the boxes of what we're talking about. And I think even that feeling of like, is this fate? Is this not like, is there a higher purpose to this? Am I, am I destined to do these things or become this person? He has a legend that precedes him. Like everything about that is just mythic to the core for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So Lawrence of Arabia, Ed, well,
0: they, these was- are also these are all pretty much still close, but no cigars, though, because honestly, the, the the verifiable sense of time and place, even though it's messed up by his experiences, it still was a time that happened, and it's kind of concrete what's real and what's not. As in, he lived to die in an English bed, or he didn't. He got read through by a scimitar. He, whatever happened to the Lords of Arabia, like literally happened and stuff. So I just think it, that that's the only thing that edges it out much in the Here's same way. Then,
1: Lawrence, Lawrence dies. Famously, it's how the movie opens and closes. Lawrence dies in a motorcycle accident in the English countryside. But the whole question around that is, did Lawrence actually, did his soul die in the desert? Because he came back uh, from the yeah. war and lived sort of this quiet life. And then it was, you know, nobody knows, like, did he kill himself? Did, was, he, was he racing too, yeah. too fast because he just couldn't li- stand to live in the regular world anymore?
0: Nah, that that is interesting. That that makes it that makes it mythic, I guess. But like I said, it's just it isn't the same as goddamn Beowulf or or That's or fair. like Theseus and Perseus and shit, or even some of the ones that we've Stone Cold put in there that we talked about earlier. Like where it's just like sits time and space, but they just hit all the boxes. Just a little bit. You know, like I said, uh, 1997 and all the rules take a uh, Terminator 2 or a Terminator out of contention for me. Because it does have a lot of implacable, you don't know, you don't have enough information in the first one. You're so scared because you don't quite have enough information. Then by the mm-hmm. second, third, fourth one, you have all, you have so much information about all the different the jumps and the whys and the this, it just ruins it. I think it's just enough in the first one if you just had to left it alone. Uh, but again, it takes place in 1984, very famously. And they're talking about dates and times, and what linear progression of time. Once you get into that, that's outside of myth, that that gets outside of it, you know what I mean?
1: I feel that, I feel that completely.
0: So, I right, uh, do you have any ones besides supernatural, Ron, that uh, you would like to proffer for uh, for uh, uh hey, uh, you have failed this city, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. so good
2: in all seriousness though um uh besides arrow i'm gonna go with dark city that's interesting yeah yeah well
1: even more interesting directed by um the same guy who who directed gods of egypt which was trying to be mythic and failed horribly. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. You could say the whole thing. He was also the guy who directed the crow, which I would ah, argue okay, lawyer, is okay. straight up uh, mythic. Like, you could see why he thought he understood the assignment as the kids say. Matt, to Alex
1: Proyas for the first half of his career,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because, because the interesting thing, like you said, uh, Ron about uh, dark city, it hits a lot of shit. What time did it happen? It's, Better than the Matrix for mythic storytelling.
1: Yep, agreed on that completely. And also because the strangers, the strangers and what they want and how they go about it Mm -hmm. are so alien and so inexplicable and so you know they're on the verge of being Cenobites. Like they, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they, they really embody that sort of Eldritch horror, that Cthulhu like thing, which I think is is points in its favor for being a mythic story.
2: Yeah, and Mm -hmm. also if you want to talk about visuals, back in the day when that movie actually came out, the visuals on it were like pretty fucking weird and fun. Oh yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. so no, it's a beautiful movie. I would argue the one thing going against Dark City, I don't know what sort of primal statement it's trying to make about humanity. Oh, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like its messaging is almost too complicated. It it can't be boiled down into like. you know vengeance begets more violence or steal from the rich and give to the poor or whatever you know
0: yeah yeah or or even there's consequences for pulling back the veil that's not quite really all the way clear in there you
1: know yeah not really yeah that's interesting it's interesting though the crow might even be a better contender though for filmography
0: Uh the
1: crow is fantastic and also talk about sort of that drug fueled what's real what's not living in this liminal
2: space like that movie mm-hmm. does that better than dark city
0: mm-hmm. uh, dude Plus, yeah it has
2: a pile of cocaine that a guy with a really deep voice does
0: <laughs> but you don't know if that's cocaine you don't know what kind of eldritch power that it, powder that that's is true. that could be some kind of weird opium that the shadow used to snort or whatever that you know you don't know because they don't I, besides the fact that they say it's detroit there is nothing classically realistic about anything else in that movie. The streets are weird. The fucking buildings are weird. The laws are weird. Uh, the traditions the are future? weird. It, 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 you don't know when it is or it, It's very yeah. of its. odds. Oh, it's beautiful. And you know what's interesting? There are Coen Brothers movies that trod this mythical brand, mm. ground. A shit ton mm. of them, actually. When you start to really look at it, I mean, yeah, I'm even talk about shit like raising Arizona. I talk about goddamn uh, Barton Fink. Certainly, talking about I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about No Lebowski. Country for Old Men on a big deal, Big Lebowski. You know, No Country for Old Men is kind of like it's 1979. You're disqualified. Fuck off. That's but true. but but you know, but all these other movies, you know, they're kind of in the 40s. They're kind of in the this. They're kind of in the that. And it's just this amorphous, this amorphous time. Uh, I mean, the,
1: the Cohens love playing with the ambiguity of fate like mm-hmm. it, it, i actually think of a serious man which in and of itself is rooted in a very specific time and place
0: dude that but, Dybbuk story at the beginning oh yeah right
1: i'm telling you that movie is an interesting contender because again it it lives in this place of like it it sets you up from the beginning Are there supernatural forces at work here or are there not? And then weird shit continues to happen that moves that character through the story. And it's like, you just don't know. Again, I think points against it just being, I don't really know what sort of succinct message it sends. It's a little unclear in its messaging.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: It's not, there's no place like home. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't (laughs) have that just super fine point to it.
0: Yeah, but you know what? And the only thing that might to—I mean, yeah—violence begins violence. But if we didn't take that, I think it's what's beautiful about the Northmen is it it is like I said earlier. I'm not going to repeat that point, but it's very human. Yeah, it's got like this, this, this humanity. Grand. Yeah. It's got this grounded humanity and this mythic shit, which is what makes it this double accomplishment, Uh, which is why, you know, we, we, it's kind of been the, the, the spinal column of this conversation we've had. So I just want to give it that last bit of, of complicated props.
1: Let me, uh let me throw another contender into the ring. It's not everybody's favorite movie, but it's one of mine because I think it fits the criteria. Only God Forgives, written and directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. It's a a movie in which, again, it's a revenge story. Ryan Gosling plays um, a criminal who doesn't want to be a criminal, whose hardcore criminal brother gets killed by a police officer. And so he swears vengeance on the police officer and goes through this sort of nightmare odyssey to try to get it. And within that, The police officer himself is presented as possibly being a supernatural figure. He certainly has a legend that precedes him. We're Mm -hmm. in this strange world that runs on its own rules. Ryan Gosling is haunted by visions of his dead brother, is haunted by his mother, who seems to have some horrific backstory of her own that they never get into. But there's like implications that just chill you. It lives in this space between beauty and horror. Like that movie, that movie gets under your fucking skin in a way that I find to be very mythic.
0: I mean, drive is pretty fucking mythic and it's about a dude who drives a car.
1: Yeah. I mean, he he
0: seems to have that tone pretty much down.
1: I'm with that. I'm with that. You know, and in terms of modern directors who kind of work within that tone might seem obvious, but Dune, I think, (laughs) I think, um, Denny Villeneuve's Dune achieves it. And, and granted the source material very much achieves it, like that. That was the intention going in, uh, but I think he nailed it.
0: It's weird how few things, and we've already—if you've listened to this podcast for four seconds—we're not about to mention no goddamn Zack Snyder movies, and not oh. fucking three hundred either. It's just not going to happen because no. it's not true. You know what I mean? It's—it's—it's not—it's not truly mythic. There's it's just there's there's a lot of things missing. I, I will say 300's the closest. Yep, Because it has a lot of these, um, this unknowableness, this this weird outcast. This is what happens to outcasts in our society. And he grows to be this almost totemic shamanic figure. And then, you know, Leonidas himself, you know, enough said. And all this different, just weird, uh, the, even like Xerxes is just, it, Xerxes is like 18 feet tall. And it's like, just, <laughs> it's just so weird. Everything's super fucking weird in there. So it's close. It's getting close. Were well, you going to say some fantasy that that you think actually uh, qualifies? Because it's funny how little, like we said, how little fantasy actually qualifies, even though it has all the – it has fate, as in I'm the chosen one mostly, or I'm the one that is not chosen, so that makes me chosen. It's almost like they can't win for losing with that. You know what I mean? Nobody accidentally gets anything in most stories, period, so you shouldn't ask for it in fantasy stories you know what i mean um, like there's there's always this rooted reason why you're the hero uh it's it's getting so bad these days that i wish there was more of that this kind of like i'm in a fucked up situation like if the dude in Die Hard was you or i mm-hmm. i want why what where's those movies those are great movies but since that kind of 80s time of like we'll let the hero slim down and not be and not be infallibly super strong or have superpowers unless they're an actual superhero but what we're definitely going to do is tell you why they're able to do everything. They, ex military cop, ex military cop, assassin, cop, 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 cop. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's
1: funny because nowadays the only movies they make like that all star The Rock. And he can't be just an average guy. So it's like,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's like, why does he even, why does a rock even have a job in any of his movies? He just shows up like Jack Reacher and he solves the crime. Jack Reacher is never employed. That's one reason why he's a mythic figure, especially if you're a 75 year old white man. Like Jack Reacher is a myth, but Jack Reacher in the books, in most of the books, I did some research because I was doing a thing that was kind of similar uh, about like that type of storytelling. Jack Reacher, until very recently, had no debit card. He had like fucking $5, and he would just b- roll into town, and something would come up, and he'd take care of himself, or he'd beat the fuck out of somebody, and they'd give him a meal. And then he'd get put up at a- some chick's place or something. He just always had enough money for whatever he had to do, but they made a very yep. – very sure to let you know he didn't have a real like a bunch of id or license or anything he had something that told you he was a hardcore dude in the military but not like a driver's license He was like this hobo that just showed up in the town and what the world took care of him because he was such a a beast such a large mythic figure that paul bunyan you don't wonder where paul bunyan gets his food from you dig what i'm saying
1: i was gonna say that almost sounds more like a fable which i think is a kind of a unique interesting it's like a uniquely american twist on myth but
2: yeah I mean, if they ever pull off making uh, Sandman a movie, I think it's going to be the best, one of the best hits of all time. Like, I'm, like I mean, that's
1: actually a great thing to bring up because the Netflix Sandman series is coming out later this year. So mm-hmm. they did make a live-action Sandman. I am hoping that they don't make it especially humanistic. I think that's to me that's the thing that is almost always a failure of Neil Gaiman's work is that it's it's too cozy. Like, it, it invites you to be too comfortable in its world. And I, I just want I want Sandman to be somewhat off-putting. I'm hoping yeah, it mm. is.
2: And, and if there's humans involved in it, it's horrifying. It should because, be, yeah. Because these are literal unknowable beings
0: who mm. operate
2: on a scale that's unfathomable from your context. And so you cannot be in the presence. It's just like you were saying, like, even with 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 uh with Troy and 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 uh his character, uh Brad Pitt's character going and talking to his mom, that should still be kind of horrifying, even for him, because yeah, it's it a god like mm-hmm. a drug,
1: it should be like a drug trip. It should be like, you know, his he, he's half human, half god, and the human side of him can't really. Deal with it. You know what I mean. Yeah. Like it
2: scrambles mm-hmm. his brain a little. As far as fantasy stuff goes, it's hard to say because we made we made a, a a group of rules for for mythology, and and if we're sticking with those that group. Most fantasy doesn't do that because one of the most important things in good fantasy is world building mm-hmm. with specific rules, and. You have to have specific rules because if you're going to have a magic system and you're going to have super powerful characters, the limits on those characters have to be very well defined and stuck within those rules. Because if you Mm -hmm. don't do that, none of it uh, is grounded or becomes interesting um, and you have your uh, uh, – you have a way out of everything in those situations. And if you do that, that Mm -hmm. makes every story bad. So – So I think most good fantasy, like Legend, for instance, uh, which is a a really ridiculous uh, Tom Cruise movie, uh, super fantasy concept, crazy, you know, devil guy. There's there's also The Last Unicorn. There's all these other great movies that I enjoyed that I don't think quite count for our definition of. Of, of mythicness and, and mythology they, they don't get the tone yeah just like yeah. excalibur yeah. is very close because it has a bunch of those weird dreams like seemingly dream sequences where everything is sort of like
0: shiny, oh jimmy blurry. john john borman's excalibur
2: yeah the, that the one from eight,
0: like the old old 80s like maybe 81 or, or 79 eight, in that period
2: yeah, it's right in that period i think it's
0: 81 or 82 yeah but, I mean, that one, honestly, to me, that one counts from my from my recollection of it, just because he's the king of England, but, like, what the fuck is England at that time? A bunch of weird fairies in the woods, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's no spires, there's just, a, so, uh, oh, these are more organized piles of dirt and stones, you know what I mean? Like, the, my ideal conception of, like, Camelot is almost like, it's built out of shit, you know what I mean? They just barely <laughs> made it out the mud, you know what I mean? And they, they're just, they're barely getting society but i don't really remember what the buildings look like i just remember like the cinematography the was just was just different enough i felt like the castles weren't dainty castles from what i can recall seemed a little no. bit lived in and the the fighting was pretty naturalistic which kind of to me led almost to the mythic thing of like you know to really thrust your blade through somebody's armor you know what i mean like it's yeah i don't know to me i, 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 think, I, 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 think, c- I think it kind of counts as far as a film because again i'm trying to grade on a scale to where like as a film, with all the restrictions of film, the fact that we know actors are literally in front of lights and shit, you got to get over all those to put me in that rule, which is another reason why Northman and, and Conan and things like that, that really make you just be like, I'm here and wherever. Mm-hmm. They're just titanic achievements. Uh, I was going to say, uh, as we round out here, I would like to talk about some ones where it's like, all the elements are there, but they haven't done it quite right. Mm. Uh, and you and you and you're thinking about like what what's the problem? And uh, I'll go first. Mine is Hercules. I do not under fucking stand why we have literally never seen a good Hercules on screen ever, ever. Not You're counting counting forgetting the, Disney the
1: animated two. Disney. The animated Disney one, yes, exactly.
0: Uh, that one doesn't count to me because a it's it's animated Disney. And I don't like it, man. I'm a curmudgeon. No, I'm, I I think that's a good movie. But I, I'm saying this. This is what I'm seeing, especially after seeing The Norseman. They concentrate so much on it being a fantasy. Yep. He comes from the gods. He has the this. He has the that. He is this anointed chosen one. These are the rules from the gods. No. Even if that was the case, the things that had happened to him later in life are truly horrific. He kills his wife and his children because Hera poisoned him. He has to do the 12 labors of Hercules, which they never present as a as a they never present him they never present his crimes as horrific. Imagine you're the greatest man in the world. You've retired from a life of adventure to be with your wife and your kids and you kill them in the night from some weird thing that comes over you and now you are you some god comes to you and says well now that you done did this well, the only thing you can do to atone is to go set a bunch of things right all across the world and you wander your strong ass all across the world having realistic north-spinny adventures but they amount to these great uh feats of myth and legend and you're and you don't know quite why you're doing it could have been a hallucination i something like that has never been attempted before why no, I agree. Well, and I, I think it's because
1: it's hard for non-creative people read studio executives to sort of wrap your head around this, because on the one hand, you're saying, look, the minute you make one of the gods, just a character who's going to be on screen, like having conversations, you lose the mythic tone. So you can't mm-hmm. do that. But then also the minute you make it non-supernatural, the minute you try to ground it and make it realistic you lose the mythic tone.
2: Gladiator can't be technically within our mythological st- storytelling, can it? I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't think. Yeah, but I think I feel there's like, a
1: couple of reasons. I feel like it's, it's close. almost there. It's
0: oh, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, in the world of film, again, it's like uh, it's horseshoes and hand grenades. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it's close.
2: Now, this is a one that for whatever reason, I didn't enjoy it. And I know everybody liked it, but I didn't enjoy it. And that's Green Knight. See, that's interesting. I think I think that one suffers. It probably
1: meets our definition of like yeah. a mythical movie. It was just kind of boring. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's a good movie. I think it achieves the mythic tone in a real, real way. I just don't know that it does enough with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and maybe that what I'm really saying is like, I don't know what that sort of pointed message about humanity is in that movie.
2: Yeah, so yeah, I think that's a big one of it too. What about Pan's Labyrinth? I feel like that's what oh, that Pan's
1: Labyrinth. I say I think that I think that's in the inner circle.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, close, it's, it's close. But
1: what is the meaning of
2: Pan's Labyrinth? You know what I mean?
1: Well, I mean, I think Pan's Labyrinth is essentially just trying to draw attention to uh, how war robs children of their futures. You know, I I do think oh, that's true. That's true. It's it's maybe too simplistic a message, but it's essentially just a war is hell message. Um well along along
0: those lines though, well, straight up.
1: Uh, Wait, go, you ahead. go. let's you do, do, do it, it at the same time. Okay. Three, uh, two, uh, one, apocalypse yeah.
0: now. Apocalypse now. And to me, I know it fucks up because it names the time and space, but so does apocalypse now. So that's why they're on the outer on the inner circle of the of the thing, but 1917 was very mythic to me. It brought a lot Ooh. of mythic tropes. I mean, you're the lone man a, a, a behind enemy lines with no help. You you get I mean, you get milk from a cow and you fill up your canteen with it and you need it later to mm. you know what I'm saying? And just and you're kind of like and you have a mission that you have to do to save to save everybody in your task with it and if you fail a bunch of people die. And then in the end, the overall message was no matter how great your sacrifice, the gears of war will ever turn. You will never truly do anything. There isn't any mission you're going to do that's going to stop war from happening. Never, ever. There's never, there's never been a mission that potent that it stopped war. Not even fat man, and little boy in that shit. There's never any one thing that stops it because the gears of war remain. So, I mean, it fits all the criteria. just outside the ring because it's in 1917 and I know that you guys are with two real armies going to do real shit, but everything else is so mythic. I think, I think part of it too, is that
1: you're the main character in that movie is so not a mythic hero.
0: Yep. Yep. You know what
1: I mean? Like he himself is so just doe eyed and out of his depth the entire time. And I, I do sort of feel like your mythic hero needs to be more of a a competent man or woman of action you know what I mean you
0: mean like yeah. a Maverick was in those two movies uh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, this is this is my fucking supernatural dude because we're, we're we're yeah. gonna talk about a uh, spoiler alert we're gonna talk about uh Tom Cruise in and in a in an episode coming up and uh I'm telling you man this this air of confidence but sh- but the but the story can still tax you. The audience has to kind of believe you can still lose. The epic heroes do epic shit because they can lose. That's what mm-hmm. makes it epic. And Maverick at behind a plane, he's got a great chance to survive, but it ain't a hundred percent. And and the best uh versions of characters like that, you know, give you that thing. And again, there's no sense of real there's ah, there's all types of weird unreality to the hero. That you buy into like the fact that the Northman is so good at fighting comes in handy so much through the thing, but he's not invincible. That's why he's a fucking slave. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So there's, there's all this shit to it, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. And, and, and it's interesting because
1: like we said, it's not that the story is complicated. The plot is very simple, but all this texture is incredibly complicated. So nuanced, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, and and I think that that in and of itself might just be a reason why this is so hard to achieve, because that's hard to achieve. It's hard to achieve a simple story
2: complicatedly told, if that if that, huh. makes sense. you know. Mm. Yeah. Well, and and uh, look, there's some other things that, may have, you know, do. Why? How come we've never had a good Beowulf and Grendel? How
0: come? I mean, for real.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and let's be real. When it comes down to it, I don't know if we've ever, besides maybe Excalibur, had a good King Arthur story.
1: I would argue that that is directly the result of them not knowing how to balance the realism and the supernatural and hit that Mm -hmm. exact right tone. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's either too, just a, a a, a boy with a sword trying to rule a kingdom, or it's too... You know, the wizards and the gods and the dragons are all going to be my buddies. Like, it yeah. needs to be somewhere in between.
0: There's never been That's a good one of the, Min- uh, the Minotaur. There's never been a good movie of goddamn. Uh, th- I know this might be weird and outside of some people's kin, but it's my job to fucking introduce things like this. Simple African shit, like the Anansi shit, like oh, some yeah. sort of some sort of like uh, uh, anthology movie about or or anthology movie slash horror movie maybe about a a Nancy tricking your ass all through time like you're you're a simple tribesman you get tricked you're a tech billionaire you get tricked a Nancy's there at all times and a Nancy will make you do do do, you know a Nancy's like the devil
1: yeah I don't know if I don't know if a Nancy I feel like a Nancy was not in West Africa but like my mind immediately goes to it'd be a kind of a dope movie if like Set in modern times or vaguely modern times, but it's like somebody in Nigeria, and mm-hmm. like, is Anansi there, like torturing you, or is he not? Sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but know.
0: yeah, just just all those type of all those type of shit. Not even like Aesop's fables, because those are fables; they are not myths by by almost definition. But like this sort of anything where I don't know what's going on, and I and I have to surrender to the fact that I don't know what's going on, and I only have a certain amount of time to. Get a magic totem, learn some of the rules, or learn, you know, whatever I need to learn to conquer the thing. A Northman kind of – that's another thing that's interesting about the Northman is he accomplishes the goal of every movie guy, and it isn't enough for reasons. This is
2: what I want to do. Okay. I want to – I'm going to throw out some some fantasy movies, and then I want you guys to say why they don't work for what we're trying to do. Okay? will Okay.
1: I you know what? I'll just catch close. I've I've never seen Willow. What? So I can't uh I can't speak to it.
0: I will also have to cop to the fact that I have not seen Willow. What I know a lot about happening? it. Warwick Davis, yeah. I know that guy who was Love in Warwick Willow, Davis. and I know that Val Kilmer was in it, I think, you know. Um yeah. Ron, you don't. Ron Howard how
2: deep the hate for
1: fantasy runs. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Well
2: then, well then, this will be a weird one. How about the Dark Crystal? Haven't seen it.
0: I, I do remember seeing it. I did not watch the new one. I don't like how those characters look. They're all fucked up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is the best answer that has ever been given. Fuck those bird people. How about this is what this is gonna be my funniest one, I think. Maybe not Beastmaster. Uh, Now you're fucking talking.
0: Okay. Now we gotta talk about this one. We really do. We have to talk about Beastmaster. Okay, look, by the criteria that we set up, what place and time is it? You don't know. It's like fantasy land. It has these. Okay, the, the main guy is the Beastmaster because he can like more or less he has good relationships with animals. He's like he's like um Aquaman. He doesn't just command all the animals in the world, but he's got like a ill-ass tiger, a black tiger that kicks it with him and totally is his buddy. And they have mutual respect, like, uh, you know. And then he's got these two ferrets, Kodo and Podo, that are like intricate little dudes that can steal stuff and bring him back jewels and shit or whatever. Uh, uh, but he doesn't really do that. He's kind of a barbarian type, a fighter dude. And he runs into this weird kingdom and the king or whatever has like these dudes that fly and grab you. And once they grab you in their embrace and you're in, enveloped in their bat wings, your body dissolves. <laughs> so, like, so like the king who has this army of dudes who do that type of shit is fucking shit up in the land. And a guy who controls or has a good relationship with a tiger and two ferrets is the guy who's going to unseat this dude of power. Dude, I'm telling you, man, it's stupid as fuck. It's low budget as fuck. It meets all the criteria. It's actually it's super close. It's actually less fantastical, or less fantasy and it's close. More it's sword really sorcery. close. I, it's sort of sorcery, like Conan. Inferior, but
1: I have never, I've never seen it. I will just say that I would assume it does not meet the criteria because it's so thuddingly obvious in the way that all '80s movies are, unless they're yeah. you know made in Russia and directed by Andre Tarkovsky. Like, <laughs> and I, I do think that that ambiguity, that mystery, that sense yep. of you know unreality. Has to be there, and I would imagine it's not in Beastmaster. It's not
0: quite, not quite. No. Bill, you're you you started this podcast out exactly right. This is such a difficult tone to manage, especially now that we've kind of identified uh, most of the rules. Uh, there's so many things to get close. Uh, maybe we can uh, bounce out in regards to giving our our people what they want a little bit more comic book talk. Hot take: Batman's got more mythos and the way that most people conceive of them than Superman does. discuss oh, totally.
1: I, I agree with you. I would argue that like the Grant Morrison conception of Batman, this Batman that sort of runs the gamut from horror to science fiction to supernatural to street drama to international man of mystery, I think that that version of Batman is incredibly mythic. In so much as like it directly the whole black casebook thing that was a big part of Batman IRP back in the early 2000s is like chef's kiss mythic in that it introduces this whole element of ambiguity to Batman's adventures where it's like did Batman travel to another planet with Robin and encounter, you know, the ruler of that planet, or was he just high on fear toxin that was compounded in his system. And he was in a coma for two weeks, Mm -hmm. you know, like you don't know, was he the victim of like some weird deranged experiments by Hugo strange, or did he actually travel to the astral plane and encounter a, you know, a version of himself there? Like, I think to me, My ideal version of Batman is a character that lives in like this chemical soaked hellhole of Gotham City. I think that like everybody in Gotham City is a little bit insane because like chemicals have been their number one industry (laughs) for the past 150 years. And there's just something in the air. And I think that version of Batman, where it's like, is he just, is it? The Robert Pattinson version, where he's just a fucking lunatic who shows up at crime scenes wearing a weird fetish costume, or is he like a living gargoyle that haunts the skyscrapers of the city, or maybe both, or maybe neither? Like that shit is fucking gold.
0: I love gold, that. and it's what and it's what I've always argued for, and it's and and I can finally now, thanks to you, Bill. Thanks to you, Bill. I can finally articulate why him walking in rooms full of cops is stupid as fuck. It isn't <laughs> it, it isn't a security breach. It isn't even – the way that they rendered it in the, in the Batman, you can see that it isn't even really that lame. For some reason, how tactical loud he is, he's just like, he is what they seem to think. He is a super cop amongst cops, and he just kind of comes in, and they give him the side eye. But my fucking point is, Batman's not a fucking guy for you to know. And the only guy that has any sort of any sort of relationship with them is gordon and i'm telling you they meet at dead drops they meet at abandoned houses they meet weird places there ain't no bat signal he's he 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 taps under a fucking uh a manhole cover and he gets jacked down into the darkness and they have a conversation that's batman dude i'm not i understand i'm being an asshole purist but like that's the only way it makes any sense the moment you can track batman to where he's at and talk to him or call him on a bat phone you fucked it. You fucked the mythic thing. You ruined it.
2: I'm well, gonna push let's the, say you push. ruined the mythic part, but maybe you didn't ruin the whole movie.
0: That's fair. Well, And I didn't ruin the whole movie. But yeah, but the yeah. myth, I'm telling you, the reason why we're talking about this is like Batman has survived because he's a myth. But every fucking generation tries to midichlorians this motherfucker, and yeah. I'm tired of it.
1: I, honestly, Ed, I think the bigger statement is that all of the DC superheroes would benefit from leaning into this sort of mythic tone as we mm-hmm. discussed it. Like for me, I've always wanted to see a version of Superman where everything about Krypton is unknowable and fucking mm-hmm. 10 times removed from anything the human mind can comprehend. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just this sort of idea that like this was some, ultra advanced culture that was like on the verge of solving death and it already conquered war and famine and inequality and all this stuff. It was like this shining jewel of the cosmos so far beyond us that we could ever hope to comprehend. And then in this horrible act of fate, this caprice of nature, they're just wiped out like a finger snap. And it's like having it just be that, having it just be that legend, that story that, that sort of Damocles, like hanging over Superman, that if he doesn't fight a never-ending battle for truth and justice, the same thing could happen here. Mm. That's the best version. Like, I don't want to fucking hear about how Brainiac was the AI and he tricked the ruling council of Krypton mm-hmm. and here's their fucking 500-year history. Like, you don't Ugh. need that shit. It Sucks. makes it worse. Sucks. It makes it worse.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, fucking lootly man. I think, I think, yeah, I think we cracked it, man, especially with DC characters because... Uh, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but they don't make any fucking sense. So you need to stop trying to make them street level and shit. You need to just quit that shit. That ship has sailed. Batman makes no fucking sense. Shazam makes no fucking sense. Superman don't make no goddamn sense. And that's what makes them so great. If you Agreed. steer into it, it's awesome,
1: dude. And, and we talked about this on our rebooted episode a little bit too. But like, think about a think about a Green Lantern movie where like the guardians of Oa are essentially treated like the aliens in 2001. Like Mm -hmm. you can't see them. If you encounter them, it breaks your brain and you find yourself in like a four dimensional space where the Mm -hmm. rules of physics don't work. And it's like, they have plans and designs, but you can never hope to know them because you can't even properly communicate with them. You know, Mm -hmm. I think introducing that, that combination of, Beauty, horror, and mystery—that sense that we are something small and insignificant against the whims of cosmic fate—like all of that shit needs to be present in the DC stories, and Mm -hmm. it seldom is. But when it is, those characters are the best versions of themselves.
0: And they would just—that's—and as—and I promise, we're going to dismount here. It would be their way to stone uh, Marvel in the head, like Cain did Abel. They, it would it be an annihilation. It's not a fight. They would Marvel will never win the cosmic war with DC no. if DC got their shit together. They would never win that. They would never win that tone if they got their shit together. Marvel's got oh I fell I slipped on an on, a, on an atomic thing and became a this. I got bit by a that. I got this and that. They got that sewed up. They got that part of the fantasy sewed up. The the, the soft sci fi. They got that sewed up. They defeated you. Too bad. But that mythic shit, that's where you got him, DC. Take the fight to the ground, DC.
1: And also the thing that we're not talking about that Zack Snyder also didn't talk about, if that's going to be your counter arguments, everything we're saying, you bring in that element of, of the class differences that we talked about, that like within Gods and Monsters, what we're really talking about are the has and the have-nots, like the, the rabble and then the people with power. And these stories are really about what's good for those for the average person, for those downtrodden people, for the people who aren't in the ruling and the powerful class. Mm-hmm. Like Zack Snyder tried to hit this mythic tone, but like it was sort of the same thing. It's like he couldn't stop talking about the kings and the princes. It's like you can't tell a story about these mythic heroes and the heroes and the gods, are, you know, even if it's metaphorical, are the only people that your story wants to talk about. Like that's such a hard fail when you're trying to do this thing. So yeah, I would agree with everything you said, Ed, like DC needs to lean into that hard, but they also would do well to listen to this entire episode as you just did (laughs) listener to really understand the
2: nuances of
1: hitting this tone because there's a lot to it and it is
2: difficult. Yeah. Um, And that's why my last, my last throw out here might be stretching it, but I do, I'm going to stand by it and that's the never ending story.
0: You know, it fit to me. It fits all the criteria. I don't don't think you're going to get much of a fight from either of us on that. It's very fantasy, but and it does have these rules about, I guess the the. But I don't I don't remember why he gets picked to be in the story or whatever, or why his life.
2: He likes to read, and he tries to disappear into a fantasy world to stay away from his real world. And Hmm. the fantasy world turns out to be just as insane as his real world. And he's got to make this decision to really believe in something and state something and stand up for himself in order for the world to uh, continue to exist. And arguably, we really don't know if any of that shit happened at all. Mm. That's 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 Mm. the interesting thing about it. And it's scary in parts. It's real fucking dark in parts, like way darker than you would think a kid's movie with a cute luck dragon would be.
0: Oh, and it's got guys. and it's got a simple theme. Yep. Fantasy and deluding yourself with fantasy is just as dangerous as succumbing to fucked up shit in reality. You have to have this. You have to have a balance of like yep. you know of, in regards to what you believe, what your ethos is. It has to be somewhat balanced.
2: And I mean, that's one, that's the one I from. And I would argue that it doesn't have as cool a, a as as a. I guess mythical uh, of visuals uh, uh, mm. as I, we might like even, I mean, I guess for that time it was close, but I still argue that it's not quite on the visual scale that we would probably want for our mythic yeah. storytelling.
0: But I mean, for still- the time though, I mean, fucking Fal- I, mean Fal- I mean, Falgor looks like a stupid dog right now, but when I was a little kid, I was like, ah, he's fucking flying. And <laughs> the, the, the rock guy, <laughs>
1: you know, well, I, I really appreciate you guys. Getting into that level of detail because now I never have to see that movie, which I haven't to this day, and now I never have
0: to. (laughs) I mean, if you watch it today, you'll get like when a motherfucker try to watch Tron today. Stop it. Yeah.
2: Stop
0: it. <laughs> Try to watch Tron 1 right now with having never seen it and being some kind of millennial or god forbid Gen Z or whatever, you will, your mind will be like, "Ugh." Or you might do that weird bullshit where you like it ironically. I hear that young people are doing that these days. But <laughs> I, I, <thought> I irony <laughs> died with millennials. Come on. <laughs> uh, you know what? I th- it, it, it you're right, but like hipster millennials passed down to to their kids. Oh, their kids. Imagine it. A little bit of that uh irony bug. They got a little bit of it. Internet meme culture loves irony. I mean but- just
1: wait till Gen Alpha comes of age. They're gonna be <laughs> steeped in irony.
0: Something. Why did they get to be called alpha? I thought that was for wolves and soldiers.
1: <laughs> just wait till Jen Chad comes of age.
0: And- <laughs> just, this big jaw generation <laughs> just comes out of the womb doing pull-ups on the labia. <laughs> Before it goes further off the off the rails, I do want to uh, give a big shout out to Tyler Durden Soap. Uh, he gave us a review. Oh. Nice. And the review states, fantastic show. Actually, uh, absolutely worth your time. Uh, And he says, or they say, Ed, Ron, and Bill are the greatest. I think they offer smart, insightful, and respectful perspectives on a multitude of topics, whether I agree or not.
1: How dare you not? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, I, they're, they're i'm listening. just i'm just giving shit no, 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 no. What To do. oh uh,
0: yeah no they, they know you now <laughs> and uh uh they know you. your name checked in the review and it's like it's it is a part of what we're trying to do here as we discuss and debate what makes something great uh i think we discussed and debated what made something a myth today i think that was pretty fucking effective um i'm definitely glad that bill you proffered this uh this concept to us Uh, And it's and we do a lot of stuff kind of like this on our Patreon. I mean, I just got to say we do a lot of stuff like this really introspective, deep divey, weird kind of topics off the beaten path, things that what if this doesn't click? Fuck you. This is a piece of art. (laughs) (laughs) you better better click this maybe maybe ron put batman in the title shoehorn shoehorn him in there so people listen to this great fucking piece of art and uh and if they don't want to jump on our patreon patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod uh ron what should they uh they do should they do like tyler over here would would that be great
2: well why don't you rate and review all the stuff that shows that you like us but doesn't take much work from you we love that stuff it's appreciated and It gets our name out there quicker. Tell your friends about us, too. Why not?
0: And follow us on Twitter at NerdGoatPodcast. Follow us on Instagram at TheGreatestPod. And, um, yeah, Bill, I'm going to let you get us on out of here because uh, I'm very grateful that you wanted to talk about mythic storytelling. You made me watch The the Northman. I wasn't going to watch it. And now I have a firm number two to Conan (laughs) as far as greatest mythic movie that I've ever seen uh oh. it's it's just fucking awesome and, you know and the mythic parts supplant conan like if we talk about rendering a mythic environment the Northmen is better than conan at doing that and that is just i know people are screaming at their podcast device that conan isn't that you haven't seen it in a while go back and look at it and see what a dreamy effect john milley has had on there one of my favorite right-wing filmmakers so as we <laughs> as we as on out, bill i'll give you the last word brother
1: Well, I will just say it warms my blood-drenched heart to hear you say that, Ed. I'm glad that you had a good experience with The Northmen. I would recommend that everybody listening to the podcast go and watch The Northmen. Um, It will elucidate everything that we talked about here in a way that uh, is very in-your-face. So for that reason alone, I think you'll enjoy it. But it's also just a great achievement in movies. Um, Yeah, happy to be back doing this with you guys. So thank you for welcoming me back into The Greatest Fold.
0: Oh, dude, and uh, one day, uh, I, I might, I might cut this out, but I have to say this. I do. I'm sorry, guys. Um, you know, another great thing about the, at the about the Northman, it was like the greatest Django Unchained I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they al- because they allowed him to be self sufficient in his deliverance from slavery. He. Had help from the gods, quote unquote, by cut, finding a sword. But that could have been Django finding a gun, getting trained up himself, getting uh, us presenting Django as a super fresh guy. I think Quentin Tarantino made sure that you saw Django as somebody that was helpless and someone came to help him. A god came to help the lowly man become like what him. he needed to be. And that is purposeful and sucky. And that's why that doesn't have the that's weird, but because it could be a mythical Western, it could be really a great movie of this mythic American self sufficiency. But some people don't see black people that way, Mm. so they don't get to go have a spirit quest and get the special gun that saw that and go down to the bowels of antebellum South and solve the problem. They don't get that autonomy or that agency, they get to be basically delivered. By somebody else. And then maybe find some some of their own power at the end. Nope. You done fucked it. There's some people who get to be mythic. And some people who don't. And I just mm-hmm. got to fucking talk about that real quick. Because it's serious business. So I, yeah. I just wanted to get that out there. Because it's like. It's a real point.
1: And, and I think that that also drills down on the fact that. Maybe another one of our criteria. Is that your hero does need to be self-sufficient in that way. Mm-hmm. I think yep. a real mythic hero you know forgive me but really bootstraps themselves you know what i mean like it is about
0: <laughs> that's disgusting. i am going
1: to be self-reliant i am going to be i am going to forge my own destiny even if fate decides to uh throw me off a cliff you
0: know hey but that's why it's a myth ron don't worry about it that's why these are myths yes. that don't yes. have very much to do with reality and but yes. again they inform Our, 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 you know, how we see reality. And that's why they're so important. But we need to learn the lessons of them, how, when and where they differ from reality. And that is a lesson learned in the never ending story. So, Ron, that's a feather in your cap. So, call it macaroni. And for the rest of you guys, thank you so much for listening to this mythic, questy episode of The Greatest.